Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Nets fans? We're back on the Believe in Nets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Slater, Brooklyn Nets beat reporter for ClutchPoints.com. And if there's a twinge of sadness, of disappointment, of disbelief in my voice, that's because the Brooklyn Nets just traded Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. So it's a sad day in Nets world. Here's where we're at. It's 4 a.m., might be a little past 4 a.m. This deal went down two or three hours ago. I've been providing nonstop coverage since then on Twitter, wrote a trade grade article, decided I have to come down here and pod this while the feelings are fresh. And I'm doing this off the cuff. No notes, no nothing, just straight feelings from a longtime Nets fan about a trade of the unquestionable best player in franchise history and probably the best player in the history of the NBA to be traded. Talking about the return, just first, the Nets get Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first-round picks, and a 2028 pick swap for Durant and also TJ Warren, who's heading to Phoenix. We'll circle back and talk about how I think the Nets did in this deal, what this means for Phoenix and all that. But first, just reflecting a little bit and trying to get a little bit of catharsis on what went down here, which I know isn't going to happen. This is just obviously the culmination of a complete failure by all parties involved, whether it's KD and Kyrie, heavy emphasis on Kyrie, or the Nets ownership or the Nets front office. It's just everybody involved that you can imagine completely failed in this situation. Kyrie Irving failed for a litany of reasons that I'm just exhausted of getting into at this point. Kevin Durant, while he played his heart out on the floor, and I think that will always endear him to Nets fans. They'll always have gratitude for the things that he did and the effort that he played with that never wavered. Having said that, the guy hitched his wagon to Kyrie Irving, which was just probably one of the most, you know, insane and idiotic decisions that he could have made when he left Golden State, and it could not have gone worse. I literally don't think that it could have gone worse than Kevin Durant could have imagined in a million years when he made that decision based on the everything that's transpired off the court. So that's Katie and Kyrie. You go on to Josiah and Sean Marks, who have played this for two seasons now, down the middle, trying to appease Kyrie Irving, then suddenly not trying to appease Kyrie Irving, trying to offer him these short-term deals that are incentive-based when he, you know, you know he's not going to respond well to that. They've just they've been in a tough situation, but they have handled this so poorly. And ultimately, anytime that you have a player of Kevin Durant's caliber who puts you in the title conversation if you have a decent supporting cast around him, and you end up trading that player with three years left on a contract, three and a half years. That's just a complete failure, regardless of Kyrie Irving, regardless of whatever else. The bottom line is without Kevin Durant, the Nets do not have anywhere near a chance to contend, probably in the immediate future. 
If not, we'll talk about later what this return does for them. But letting it get to this point where the best player to ever don a Nets uniform is packing his bags and heading for another contender, and you're hitting reset, is just an abject failure by the Nets front office, by the Nets ownership and Joe Sy. And this honestly brings me back to July when KD initially requested a trade from the Nets. And I remember Brian Windhorst was on ESPN and he was talking about Joe Sy. And he said, I have the quote here because I had to pull it up. The billionaire owner, Joe Sy, would rather have a team that plays hard, that he's proud to own, that wins 40 games and fights for the play-in, than have a team that has way more talent that he's not proud to be a part of. I mean, Joe, you got your wish, man. I mean, KD, Kyrie, they're out the door. You know, whatever role you want to argue Kyrie has played in that, and if you followed me and, you know, followed anything I've said on Twitter or things I've wrote in the past, you know that I am not a Kyrie Irving person when it comes to what he's put this Nets franchise through. I have an insane appreciation for him as a talent, what he can do on the floor as a New Jersey guy. But when it comes to what he's done in my stance on his time with the Nets, it really, I I don't even know if I could say anymore at this point. Having said that though, Joe Sy was in a position where he could have had the Nets potentially in contention for a while longer. He chose out of principle to have, you know, Kevin Durant in a position where he's most likely going to be asking out in the immediate or near future. Whether you think that's the right decision, you think that's the wrong decision, the bottom line is the Nets are a dramatically worse basketball team now and really in the seasons to come because of this decision. And players who are top 10 players in the NBA, they don't come around that often. If ever, I mean, this is the best player to ever choose to. It's the second star player behind Darren Williams, I guess, who got traded to the Nets to choose to sign with them. And it's the best player by far and away to ever wear a Nets uniform. And he's gone because of this. So there's a lot of complex arguments going into this. But bottom line is that everybody involved here completely failed. I put personally, I put the most blame on Kyrie Irving because just at several different turns, he completely tornadoed because at several different turns, because at several different points, he completely torpedoed this team in terms of locker room dynamic or just the morale, their ability to win. I mean, it took a pandemic and a unprecedented vaccine mandate in development to get him there. But there just was always something. That's the thing that a lot of people have said about Kyrie is there's always something. And throughout his next tenure, there always was something. And you watch his press conference in Dallas, and there's just no self-awareness. There's no, you know, nothing in terms of just reflecting on what he did with the Nets. He's really just in his own mind with how he thinks about this stuff. And if you agree with him there, you know, more power to you. It's a free country. You can believe whatever you want. I'm not going to I'm not going to ridicule you for it. It's just how I feel. All right. Now talking about what the Nets got back in this trade. Like I said, it's Jay Crowder, it's Mikhail Bridges, it's Cam Johnson, it's four first round picks, it's one pick swap. What they got back in the Kyrie Irving trade, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 unprotected first round pick and two second round picks. So the Nets come away with five unprotected picks, two second round picks, a pick swap, Mikhail Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, um, Dorian Finney-Smith. So, I mean, they have pieces, but when you look at this deal, 
I mean, you can't be thrilled with this deal for the Nets. I mean, I guess it's the best they could have hoped for if trying to get this deal done before the deadline, which it seems like I guess they have to based on the information that they had from those conversations with Kevin Durant. To me, I you know the Phoenix would have been left without a center, so it would have been tough, but I really would have liked to see DeAndre Ayton in this deal just for the fact that he's an asset. I mean, he's a better player than Nick Claxton. I know the Nets would have two centers who are both breaking out, and maybe that's not feasible in the short term to make both of them happy that way, but they're assets, two guys who have trade value moving forward. The Nets could look to flip Aiton into something else. And they chose, I mean, they didn't choose because it seems like obviously Phoenix didn't want to include him. I heard from Woj right after this happened on ESPN that the Suns were trying to get this deal done without Mikhail Bridges. And that was like their point of pushing back was that they didn't want to include him. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they wanted Bridges in there instead, but I don't know how they could have expected to ever get this deal done without Mikhail Bridges in, because that would have been like resign immediately, Sean Marks, sell the team Joe side tomorrow. Nets fans like picketing outside if they didn't get Mikhail Bridges in this deal. But I thought they could have gotten all three. And what really, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know, you know, if Aiton was available or available. I mean, the Nets are sending the best player by a gazillion miles in this deal. So everybody should be available. But I mean, I'm not going to act like I'm privy to that information, obviously. But what irks me a little bit with this trade is that when you put it in the trade machine, the Nets are coming out shedding about $9.8 million in salary, which is going to lead to 30. $40 million in luxury tax savings for Joe Psy. I, I can't do the math in my head right now, obviously, but when I saw that, I can't help but you know say that that irked me a little bit, especially when there's a player like DeAndre Aiden who has value, who's an asset, and you didn't get him back in this deal. And if you wanted to, the Nets could have gotten Aiden back and still save that money if they had a framework where they were sending Warren and Durant like they did, as well as maybe Joe Harris, say, and they were bringing back Aiden, Bridges, and Cam Johnson. But it didn't happen. And now you look at the Nets' depth chart. They have Spencer Dinwiddie at point guard. It's a Dorian Finney-Smith. Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, and then they have Ben Simmons, Cam Thomas, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Utah Watanabe, Edmund Sumner, Dayron Sharp. That's the rest of the rotation. Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the Nets are going to explore deals to flip Jay Crowder. He's on an expiring contract, so that makes sense to try to see if they can get anything for him because he's 32 or 33 years old. Doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be on the timeline now of the Nets because the Nets are now... In what I would like to call what I'm going to hear, I don't know if we're going to hear the word rebuild come out of Sean Marks's mouth, but I would call it competitive rebuild. It's like the hip new phrase that the NBA loves to coin. So I guess I'll call it that. So Jay Crowder is not going to fit into that. When you look at the contracts, Mikhail Bridges, who is far and away, obviously the best player that the Nets got in this deal and a really nice piece. I mean, I'm not trying to diminish that. I'm not happy. You in, I, in an ideal world, in a fair market, especially you know with Rudy Gobert sending the market, you know, just crushing it into oblivion. You would hope that the Nets would get back an All-Star level player. I'm not saying that Mikael Bridges can't be an All-Star, but he he hasn't been, and I don't know if he will be. But an All-Star level player and four or five draft picks plus multiple swaps. The Nets got back Mikael Bridges, who is a very good player, one of the better wing defenders in the league and a good three-point shooter and a guy who can create a little bit on his own offensively. 
plus Cam Johnson and four first round picks plus a swap. So it's not what you would hope for. But when you look at these Durant negotiations going back to the summer, the Nets didn't get an offer that they like. I would think that this offer would have been on the table in the summer. That's what's a little annoying about this. But the market for Durant, he's 34 years old. He's still having an insanely efficient season. I think he's averaging 29.6 points, 55.9% shooting. That's the highest field goal percentage in the league among 60 players attempting 14 or more shots per game. Just a historically efficient start to the season. But he is 34 years old. He is coming off his third MCL sprain. He also you know, wants a trade. So the Nets are dealing in a distressed asset. And Sean Mark should be like the distressed asset king. He should win a gold medal in the distressed asset Olympics after trading James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, all three of Brooklyn's heralded big three. He traded all three of those guys in a year span, all as distressed assets from you know not a position of strength, I would say. So that with Kevin Durant wanting to play in Phoenix and that being known and his advanced age, I think that that definitely took something away in terms of leverage from the Nets in negotiations. But still, you know, you would have hoped for a little better. But just going back to what I was saying, Mikhail Bridges, very, very nice player, really high-level two-way guy, is under contract after the season for three years at $91 million, just signed a four-year deal this offseason. Cam Johnson is a restricted free agent, and he has an $8 million qualifying offer, I think it is, and the Nets are obviously going to look to extend him. So when you're looking at the, at the core of the Nets moving forward, it's Dinwiddie, uh, Bridges, Johnson, Claxton, Finney Smith. And then you got guys like obviously Ben Simmons. We'll see what happens with him. Could the Nets try to dump him? I hope they wouldn't surrender assets to dump him right now. And then you have Cam Thomas, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris. Those guys are all under contract next season. So, I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. It's fine. Like it'll be, a 40 win team, something, you know, in that range, like a little bit above 500, maybe because there is some talent there, but there's no star. There's no even, you know, close to all-star guy. I guess you could argue that Mikhail Bridges is close to there. I guess you could say Nick Claxton could emerge to that level, but they just don't have the star power right now. And this is a league driven by star power. And it's really disappointing coming away from trades of James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant in a year span. I mean, that has to be, you know, the record for trading three guys with that level of talent in a year span. It's something that we'll honestly probably never see. I don't know if we'll ever see that again in the history of the NBA. Three guys who are that good and that talented be traded within a year span. And, you know, I can't talk anymore about the blame game, whether you want to assign blame there to Kyrie, to the Nets front office, to Joe Sy. I think there's plenty to go around for everyone. It's just, like I said before, an abject failure. And for the Nets, it's this is the team of what ifs. I mean, and that's been the case, you know, for the last three seasons, or I guess two seasons. A lot of analysts have said, I think it was Zach Lowe who before this year said that they should be called the Brooklyn on papers because on paper, everything was always great. And, you know, he was right. And he was hesitant, like many other people, to say that this Nets team would work. But it's just so difficult because they looked really good. I mean, they had won 18 out of 20. How often does that happen? I mean, it's just they really had the look of something. And then, you know, KD gets hurt. 
and Kyrie request a trade. You can argue about the correlation between those two things. Would Kyrie have had the stones to request a trade if KD didn't get hurt and they have a top two record in the league? I mean, that would have been a really tough look and pretty crazy. But if there's anybody who would have done something like that, it was Kyrie Irving. And this was ultimately about him getting his money. I guess you could make the argument that if they get to that point, is Joe Sy and Sean Marks, are they more open to giving him money? I doubt that that development really changed that much in their long-term thinking. It just seemed like they were done being in business with him after the season and maybe honestly always planned to get something for him at this deadline. So, you know, I said it's the it's the era of ifs. And the biggest if is obviously going to go back through that 2021 playoff series and that second round against the Milwaukee Bucks after the big three of James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving just steamrolled the Boston Celtics and was putting up like 159 offensive rating, better than anything we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. Then they win game one at home after James Harden hurts his hamstring on the first play. Even with Harden being out, I was at game two. They were up by 59 points in game two. 59 points against Giannis, against Middleton, against Holiday. 59 points. KD, Kyrie, Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, you know Joe Harris, who couldn't hit a shot to save his life. But they were just absolutely steamrolling the Bucs. And they have a chance to win game three, even after Kyrie Irving rolls his ankle on Giannis Antetokounmpo. Even after that, they still had a wide open Joe Harris shot. They were up by three with, I think, a minute and 16 left in that game with a chance to go up 3-0. They took it to game seven. Everybody obviously knows Kevin Durant's foot on the line. But that team, that was the Nets' year. And it really hurt because even after that, as the whole vaccine mandating all of that craziness started to unravel, it really felt like deep down everybody knew that that was the Nets' year and it had passed. And now Kyrie Irving was at a point where this team was just going to blow up because of you know his just off-court antics and everything that went into that. So this might have been, you know, I might be rambling a little here. As I said, no notes, just doing this off the cuff just trying to reflect on this era of the Brooklyn Nets. And I called it in the beginning of my trade grade article. It's the era that never was. And it's really frustrating. And for Nets fans who are, it's 420 now for Nets fans who are going to wake up in a few hours, hardworking people and see this news. I apologize, man. I mean, and men and women, you, you all deserve better. You really do. And you were failed by, you know, I'm, I don't even know if I can say Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant, he did pick Kyrie Irving, but he held up his end of the bargain, man. He showed up and he played and he did what he had to do. Kyrie Irving, next ownership, Joe Sy, Sean Marks, they failed you. And it's really unfortunate because this is a team that even with everything looked like at that point earlier in the season a month ago, it looked like they had the look of a team that could at least contend and we could at least get a healthy playoff run because we didn't even get that in four years this team won one playoff series with these guys and you know it's not it's not for you know it's not for them not having the pieces around them to do it it was just a combination of bad luck a combination of Kyrie Irving and uh, just a tsunami of bad developments that went into this that really torpedoed an era that a lot of people to their credit said it wouldn't work a lot of KD and Kyrie haters said that you know this won't work these two guys um, the personalities involved, even more so when they brought in Harden. You know, 
it's tough because the you sign KD and Kyrie a hundred times out of a hundred. I think you do the James Harden trade a hundred times out of a hundred. It's just it's just some some bad luck in that 2021 playoff series and a global pandemic. Maybe it always would have been something with Kyrie Irving, but it's just unfortunate. And I'm going to end the podcast here before I just keep rambling because I don't even know what else to say at this point. Really tough day for the Brooklyn Nets and for Nets fans. And we'll see where they go from here. I'll be providing more coverage. We'll see for how long, but you know, hopefully they can figure something out this offseason and head into a new direction of in a new era of Nets basketball. But signing off, this is Eric Slater on the Believe Podcast Network. Follow me on Twitter at Eric Slater underscore if you want to see my reaction to all this craziness over the next few days. We'll be coming back with more episodes in the next few weeks. Appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.